0: KCF Technologies presents Industrial Transformation, Stories of Failure and Success from the Front Lines of American Manufacturing. Welcome back to the Industrial Transformation Podcast. I am Jeremy Frank, and I'm very pleased to have two guests with me today. Katie Anderson, with whom I spoke a few months ago uh, about her book, Learning to lead, leading to learn, uh, which focuses on the life and learnings of Mr. Isao Yoshino, a longtime Toyota employee. and we have with us today Mr. Yoshino himself, and I'm very pleased to have the chance to speak to, to Katie and to Mr. Yoshino together. So may I start with Mr. Yoshino? Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much have, for having, having me in the, in the program..
0: Very pleased to have you and really looking forward to our conversation and welcome also back, Katie.
2: Thanks, Jeremy. I'm really thrilled to be back here and to have Mr. Yoshino joining us as well.
0: Wonderful. Well, I'd like to just dive right in. And we were just speaking for a moment about how the book is really a a wonderful story about failures and especially the learnings that that come from failures. And, And as we talked, Katie, that's certainly no accident. But I, I think, uh, Mr. Yoshino, it was just interesting to hear you start with that description. That that's what you found the, the opportunity to share those stories that you learned from, um, rather than rather than you know not sharing them. And uh, okay. could you just talk a little bit about why you feel that way?
1: Oh, okay. Well, actually, you know, uh, so many I have so many memories about my life with with Toyota for years, but most of my memories as a failure stories, because I didn't succeed. I failed so many times. And of course, I wanted to hide it, you know, from anybody. I don't want to share it with anybody because it's not fun. It's not uh, comfortable. However, the way when we meet, uh, when I met with Katie Anderson, she started asking so many questions about my career, about everything, about my experience. And the way she asked me uh, makes me feel so good because, it's of course, it's not to you know blame myself is not to find fault with uh, with all those failures but she's very interested in how toyota culture is and how i survive over there and so she's interested very from the pure you know uh, reasoning because she wanted to know what is the life with a big lo- working in the toyota and what is uh, what is uh, the story of the success the story of the failure what how did it happen so she is genuinely she is interested in how um, uh, I lived uh, in within Toyota. So uh, that that's why I, it was uh, 2015. And uh, so I decided, okay, this, this lady, maybe I can share all, with all my memories. I saw, I started remembering all those old memories, which I just, you know, I just tried to forget about it. So <laughs> uh, it was very, very interesting that uh, she just triggered me to speak up. And so I just, at the time that I started digging down, you know, back on my old, old memories. And so just one by one, it comes up. So that's how we started working together with, with the book project.
0: And the book is fantastic. I would really encourage, uh, as, as I described before, I would encourage listeners to read, read the book. It is just, it's a fantastic series of stories, especially because it's just a very honest story of the telling of learning. And I wanted to ask, how long? So in 2015, how long had you had you been retired from Toyota at that point?
1: Well, actually, I retired 2000. Uh, actually, 2004. I was still in the United States. Then I returned back to Japan, 2007, January. So uh, that was, and then I started teaching in my in in the university based in Nagoya. And so, what was your question?
0: Oh, just when. When you were there, I I, I actually don't know if, if Katie mentioned, but I, I have actually spent a bit of time in Japan myself. We were in oh, 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 okay. my the professor. I, I was working on a Ph.D. of engineering at oh. Penn State University. And my professor, Koopman, was teaching a class at Tokyo Institute of Technology okay. in the year 2000. And we spent a, a semester there teaching.
1: Oh, 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 really? 2000. I was still in the, in the U.S.
0: So you were in Florida at that time, I believe, right? Right, right.
1: Temporarily, one and a half a year, I was in Florida because I I, I was making boat over there about two thousand one, and it was just project was uh, was closed. So uh, I was in the U.S. and you were in Japan at the time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. ah, I see. I see.
0: Actually, that leads there's there's somebody. I have a whole list of things I'm interested to ask you, but let me jump to two things related to that. One is. It was clear in your in the story and in, in the way Katie described it that from a young age you were very interested in living overseas. Yeah, uh, and and I think especially you were interested in the United States. Yeah, because I, that
1: was the first 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 people that I ran into when I was a small boy.
0: That's why. Okay, uh-huh. can yeah. you tell us more about that?
1: Well, actually, it was uh, I. I don't remember how 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 old I was, but I was maybe. I don't know about this, I'm a small boy. But right after the war, is finished. And so, but so many American, you know, soldiers are living in the US, not in in Japan. And uh, so, uh, and uh, they are traveling across the country. And I was uh, living in the country, but my uh, train station is very close to my house, just maybe 10 minutes walk. So I was, you know, my young kids, you know, I was, you know, uh, playing with my friends in the near the station. Then one day the train came in, then the train stopped over there. Then I saw so many American soldiers sitting in the train, in the seat, and they threw something to the boys, like us on the outside of, of the train. So, the, you know, they threw the chocolate. Hmm. And uh, so uh, but chocolate, we, you know, we couldn't get chocolate. From from the U.S., so we just, you know, all the kids just, you know, jump in the chocolate. They threw it a couple of times. So it was the first encounter with American people and American product, and so that was really the first encounter with American kind of culture. So this is chocolate. So you know, then I start dreaming about okay, what kind of country is this? Now just we, we, you know, a couple of years earlier, just we. Fought with each other. We are killing each other, and then right now they are smiling. They are throwing something to us, and so it's 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 very very big shock to us. Okay, okay, this is the people who uh, who used to fight. We used to try to kill each other. So uh, it was a great great experience for me. Okay, so. What a difference! They are smiling, and uh, they're just giving something to the small kids like us. So that is the first encounter, and so I start dreaming about, okay, what kind of country is America? Uh, uh, we at that time we only we don't we didn't have any TV, just on the radio and newspaper, and uh, so very very small little information about other countries. So that was really the first people, first uh, foreigners I ran into.
0: So that's just I'm so that's just so uh, such an interesting beginning to hear how that happened. Something relatively simple, but it planted a seed. If you could, if you fast forward then from the book, you know when when you were in the early '80s involved in training the General Motors workers for the for the new right. Meat factory. Right, right. So you're then you know 20 or 30 years later, you're playing this extremely important role. That that's affecting some of the biggest companies in America and Japan, Mm -hmm. and they're they're now back. They're coming to Japan to be trained on how to to produce cars. You know the the Toyota way. Can you talk about? Did that seem? I don't know. Special to you, or it just seems like it's an amazing situation to be in from that. It is. is.
1: Yes, it is. I was so lucky because by the time I was well, actually I'm a non-engineer. So non-engineer people uh, work, uh, not, people employee uh, of Toyota. We change a job. We just transfer to the other department every four or five years. We call it rotation system. So uh, I was, I was, uh, I was second or third, you know, assignment, and I was not uh, maybe five or six. And I was uh, I was sent from uh, other department to the training department. It was in 1982. And it was a time that the Toyota got together with a sales company, become two sales company, manufacturing company, uh, got together, merged together in 1982. And it was a huge event. Then right after that, Toyota decided to work together with General Motors and they set up a joint venture. It was a huge, huge news for Toyota people. And so then I was sent to the training department. Then, and uh, they decided uh, the new me, new me. Uh, they decided to send the new employee employees, shop for workers, and a group leaders, team leaders to Japan for train to receive training. And I was in the training department. So they decided to okay, well, Yoshino, just you become the chief of that uh, train. You have to establish as a team. For that training program, so I was assigned to the new, newly established uh, uh, the section, and I have to hire people not from outside, from inside. So it was a great, great opportunity for. I was so lucky to run into to to be working in the in the place. And then new people came in. It was a very eye-opening experience for me because one reason because we've been told. By GM managers who came in a little bit earlier, that oh, okay Yoshino, just to you, your congratulations. You're the first manager to train new workers. However, I don't envy you because they are terrible people. They <laughs> can you believe it? Just I didn't meet them the first time that they start, you know, talking to me about terrible people. You have to handle. So uh, Myself and John Shuk was so surprised what what they are talking about, you know. And uh, so I, I had, you know, I've been thinking about okay, why they are talking about their own people like that. But by the time we received 1984, we received in June, we received the first group about around 30 people. We found out they are very very nice people. So totally different from from the information that we received two months earlier. So that was really, really great opportunity for me to, okay, what I heard from the managers from GM is so different from what I see when I ran into them uh, on June. So, uh, you know, we have to, you know, we have to meet and we have to experience by myself rather than judging something out of the out of the second-hand information. So it was, anyway, so it was a great encounter, all, all those workers, nice people down to earth and the big smile and they are very eager to learn. So what what a nice people are they? And uh, so they did not betray me for the next, I, I don't remember how many groups I received, but it's, it's everybody was very, very nice people.
0: If you reflect back, so I mean that just, that experience is just unbelievably interesting. I mean, for anybody who doesn't know the story, who's listening, go back and read the story of Numi and that joint venture that it went from being the worst performing General Motors plant to the oh, best yeah. in a yes. short amount of time is unbelievable. Outcome. It is. Yep. Can, can you speak? I mean, if if you look back on that now, what are we forty forty years later? Mm-hmm. Why do you think there was such a discrepancy between what the managers told you and and what they had experienced versus what you experienced with those same people?
1: Well, actually, you know, people. I we found John John and I just talk about very well often what what makes this happen and because they they spend three a uh, total of three weeks in in Toyota environment, and we treat them nice because we they are very important guests, and probably that was really the first time for them those workers the first time to treat to be treated like that hmm. very just like a human being, and they keep saying that the bosses don't come down to the shop floor, so I don't know what is uh, what how he or she looks like in in the office so uh, you know they they found out what a huge difference even though we are manufacturers in the US we manufacture in Japan but what a huge difference it makes and they are so surprised the way you know uh that we the way uh workers are treated in Toyota and, and when he they compares with the way they are treated in Fremont California what a huge difference they witnessed they just uh, they you know, get soaked in that environment for three weeks. So, uh, experiencing by themselves all those cultures, cultural differences, then they found out, okay, this, we feel very comfortable with this culture, with, the, with this treatment. So, uh, you know, actually having the real experience in the certain culture in a certain period of time, then they totally changed their mindset. They started, not totally changed, but they started to change their attitude, their viewpoint, you know, how to treat people, how to be treated, how you want to be treated. They saw it every single day. So uh, actually, to, to make a long story short, actually put into, you, into yourself into the practice, actual practical experience is a very, very important uh, way to make things happen. Hmm. That makes they- sense?
0: Definitely. Did it did it make you feel any different about so, you know, I, I picture you having sort of an idealized view of of America that had gone back to your early childhood. Did that experience make you feel any different about the, I don't know, American approach to business or,
1: oh, yeah, or yeah, why because... that
0: why the management misperception was the way that it was?
1: Well, actually, we, we, we heard, we read books about American management style, but we did not re- have a chance to experience talking with them. But actually, before we received workers in, in June in 1984, we received a GM, ex-GM managers who are assigned to NUMI. And because they, GM sends their managers to Newmi from other other factories, and so, also, we send our uh, their partners from Japan. And so, uh, uh, in April, they sent six or seven managers uh, to Japan for a short period of training for just one week. At that time, so it was April before we received uh, all those 30 group people in June. So, two, two months earlier, they came in. That was actually really the first time I ran into American managers from GM. Their attitude was, I was so surprised with their terrible attitude. They don't want to just learn anything. Actually, they just spend, we provided all the orientation, or the sessions, just like, you know, with the hope that they can learn something from Toyota. But they don't, their intention is not, they said, okay, this is, they did not say it's a waste of time, but they don't pay much attention to what we are doing, help, try to help them out. So... Myself and John were so surprised. What kind of people are they? They are not complaining. They they are talking about their people who will be coming to Japan in three in in two months. But they are talking so badly about themselves. So what people are they? They are talking about their people so terribly, and so uh, And I asked John, uh, John, what, what do you think? They are just you know complaining. They are talking, criticizing their own people. And uh, and they will be, you know, they will be working together when they are back in Fremont, California. Why they are talking? Uh, what is their attitude? Why is that? And John was so surprised with that too. So, uh, you know, the, because uh, I thought that because oh, okay, this is the way they have been treated. Those managers also have been treated like that. So uh, then they have no other experience. So but they don't want to accept any other culture, but why because they are not so the managers are treated so good because they are bragging about their very nice treatment they they have given a lot of funding from the from g m that to buy a house in in Fremont, California when they are signed over there while workers they do not enjoy any of those advantages so they are managers are treated so good while workers. The world treated so bad. So it's a huge change. Anyways, so, so that was very, very interesting. In April, we found out managers are still terrible. You know, f- from GM and Fremont, they are assigned to Fremont. They are terrible. But workers are very, very, you know, eager to learn something. So what a big difference. That was my first impression.
0: Wow, it's fascinating. You know, so I, as we were talking briefly, you know, so my company is working closely with both of those companies today. So you know, forty years later, Toyota and General Motors, things have changed, but some things haven't changed as that much. Um, there's there's something from the book that relates directly to this. That uh, from from Katie's book, Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn. And the, I don't know if I have the, the quote exactly right, but I believe Katie, uh, if you correct me, the quote is that the you said the only secret to Toyota is the attitude to learning.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Do I have that right, Katie? Almost. Almost. Yes. The only secret to Toyota is its attitude towards learning. And Mr. Yoshino went on to say, you know, we don't even notice and we take it for granted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct.
0: And what I'm hearing is that that's, uh, there's, there's, it's not just a, it's not a person thing. It's not like there's a difference between an American or a Japanese person or a, a General Motors person or a Toyota person as it more is like the, the, I don't know, the expectations set by leadership perhaps that sets the attitude, or maybe you tell me, what, where do you think that attitude comes from?
1: You're talking to me, you're talking to Kate. To, to
0: Mr. Yoshino, where oh. do you, Toyota's attitude to learning, what, how, did, how did you experience well, that and where does the, it really come from?
1: You know what, you know, that was really the first time for entire Toyota to receive workers from overseas countries. First time for me and first time for everybody. Nobody has ever had an experience work together with workers uh, within Toyota history. The first time, everything. So we are ready to learn. And we have to learn. Of course, we have to ready to. Learn. We want to learn. We are ready to learn something from them. So that is our attitude. And so the people from GM also they are eager to learn Toyota production system. And also they had a chance to learn something totally new. It's just cultural differences, so they are they are learning two two different things one is how to make a good cars with uh, theater production system that is the skill work working skill same time they learn how to treat people because they are treated so nice by us we, didn't, we did we I didn't think that we are treated so specially but we were treated just like others. so we treated just people that we speak different different language, but we we I decided to treat them just like others, just like I treated John Shuk as the same same staff members as others. So we treat them the, just just the same way as we treated other people. So, what else, uh feel very very happy to be treated like that, and that was really the very very basic you know base base of of the understanding of the different culture. So they enjoyed uh, Japanese culture who treated equally, you know. And there is a difference between top management and and the, and the workers' levels very close. And so they enjoy it because they spend more than eight hours a day with the workers, with their partners, Japanese partners. So they feel, you know, to the bones, they felt it. Okay, this is, what is this one? It's because the bosses always come down to the chauffeur, say hi to the workers. The, re, the distance from between them is very close. They witness it every single day. So they, like it so much, and so they are determined within the 3UK train. they determine, when I come back to Fremont, I will do the same way as my partner do over here in in Japan. So they are determined, and and they are, they explain their weakness, learn something. So they they determine to do the same thing when I'm back to California. So that is very powerful, because they, they learn something, very, very important thing. And the first time, first time in their own life, and they are determined. While GM managers, I don't think they learn, and so much they don't. They are not ready to learn. They did not. They are not determined. So that's a huge difference.
0: Hmm. One of the just the, the pillars, you know, something that I really caught me in in the stories that, in the book that Katie pulled out was the the pillars of of uh, the principles of of the the Toyota Way. But that respect for people, and I, I think, you know, more broadly, one of the one of the the descriptions that she makes is that respect for people is actually um, more concise, and respect for perhaps humanity is a more accurate translation of. I think of, so. Yeah. Of that pillar is that? Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Actually, when we we say respect, I respect you. That means sometimes it, people take it okay. Lower well, it's not good, but lower rank people will admire people up there because they up, the people up there has a lot of lot of lot of success, and so uh, people admire. So it's not as equal as uh, admire within Toyota. The, the respect what respect means to the people. is the respect means. I respect you. That means I will listen to you. I will accept your opinion because that your opinion comes out of your own experience or so that is meaningful. So uh, I take it, you know, as, as an important input to me. So uh, we treat people as equal. And also uh, we have to understand that everybody has a different way of thinking. So we have to accept it. So that is the meaning of respect. There are so many other, um, a bit deeper meaning of respect. And so we did not, you know, we did not uh, double check with what we mean by respect because it's already, you know, it's already there. It's a culture. So sometimes we don't even talk about it, discuss about it, but that is a culture. And uh, so that is what respect means. It's not easy to explain because nobody ever, you know, asked me what the respect means at Toyota. Only in the last ten years, so I start talking with foreigners. But within Toyota, we don't even talk about what respect means to us because it's just like air that we feel. We we breathe the air just like as natural. So respect is something just like air to us.
0: Hmm. Just natural as air. I like that. Is that is that also true? Well, actually, I want to ask one thing, and then I want to ask if it's true in another context. Is um, is that true in your experience for most Japanese companies, or is that special about Toyota within Japan as well?
1: well actually, that's a good question. Uh, my answer is I don't know, but uh, because I don't, I never worked with other department with other companies. Of course, I have a lot of chance to talk with the people. However, within Toyota. Um, that that is very very dense. That that culture is very dense and very very, you know, important. And uh, and we believe that is that makes us feel good. But in other company, um, I feel like, oh, um, the company, the other, you know, competing company is uh, one of the companies like Nissan, for example. I, I I'm uh, company N, which initial N. Um, actually. I feel so sorry about the people at, uh, at that company because my my uh, cousin used to work for Nissan, and uh, but he's always complaining. So I don't know. I wonder why he is in Tokyo, and uh, I, I've been wondering why he's complaining about the big company uh, where he works for. Because I, whenever I meet with him, I talk about my my experience with Toyota, and he talks about the company which is his own company. What a huge difference! He doesn't feel like he's treated good, so what uh, it's a it, it's a th- that tells me the lesson that uh, a feeling that maybe Toyota is not is not too different. However, you know Toyota has its own culture, which makes me feel good. While some people like my cousin, he does not feel good because he works. He, he was born and raised in Tokyo, and he's so he was so happy to get a job at uh, that company, but he doesn't feel happy. So what? So, uh, to answer your question, probably Toyota is very different, not very, but it's, it's different from other uh, company. I'm not uh, blaming anybody, but um, Toyota is, because of the top management, very serious about uh, treating people nice, because it's the people who product the car, it's the people who work in the office, it is a it's it it's the people who sell the cars not top management so and you know, people are treated very nice and uh and it's just like as a one unit and so uh to answer your question probably toyota is it's slightly different from uh, other companies and uh, and uh, but the panasonic and all other companies particularly who was in, who was started by one single guy very very important guy, uh, very influential guy like uh, mr Matsushita, So they have their own specific culture, like Panasonic or like Honda, or like Toyota.
0: Sure. Yeah, we certainly see. I mean, there are definitely Toyota in America. We we definitely see differences between Toyota and other con- other companies, including other you know. Oh, really? Versus Toyota, definitely. It's it's. Um, and I, I, I want to come back to this. It's not all good. Mm-hmm. Um, of course actually, maybe that's good to just spend some time on that. I, I want to talk about the other pillar of continuous improvement. But first, we were just talking briefly before, you know one of the things that we see is that the 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 style of Toyota's decision making and process of thinking and thinking and thinking can sometimes be, I don't know, for, to an outsider frustrating, I think, is maybe how is. we were discussing. Well, can you talk a little bit about that? because it's you know, I think sometimes think people think of Toyota being the greatest manufacturer and think that it's it's all perfect. But certainly, this, I don't know, yeah. can, you, can you speak to that a little bit? Well, actually, it,
1: it is true that Toyota is, is a little bit slower in decision making, but it's not, we, we, you know, uh, because the reason why we it, it's slow, it looks like slow is because Within Toyota, we want to make sure that we just put all the key information in front of us. Sometimes, for example, if we want to make some decision, then we have to uh, we have to prepare some of the key uh, information to be to base of uh, to be based on for your uh, decision making. If we, we collect maybe if other companies just collect only five different uh, facts in order to make some final decision, then within Toyota maybe ten. 10 items we have to prepare. Sometimes it takes longer time to prepare all of the information to make sure then we spend a lot of time to to discuss and whether it this is advantage, but it may be some disadvantage. We have spent more time to dig down more. So sometimes we, we are become too careful and uh, uh, too thoughtful. Sometimes we spend too much time to dig down more than other companies, maybe. That is one of the reasons why it takes too long time to make some final decision but so it's good and bad it's a good thing is that we think a little bit deeper than other companies but the, the, the bad thing is that it sometimes we miss a chance because by the time we find some solution find make some final decision then the other competitors just go far ahead with, uh, ahead of us so so, but still, you know, being that thorough, thorough thinking and the deeper thinking is not so bad. However, it depends on the timing, depends on the situation. So that is not, I don't call it a weak point, but sometimes we we are too careful. We, we always, care, you know, worry about, about something bad, something will happen, so we have to be prepared. So sometimes we go too far on that negative side. However... As long as we know that sometimes we go to the too, too far to the negative side, as long as we recognize it, then we are fine. So that is maybe people call it some weak point of Toyota. And the reaction sometimes takes so long time to to be careful. So we want to be careful about not making too crazy mistakes. So sometimes we just uh, uh, you know uh, sometimes uh, we are too too too, too careful.
0: It, it takes me to some to a story that's told in the book. The in the late 1970s and early 1980s, mm-hmm. you were my, my my takeaway was that you were uh, quite involved in the formation of the A3 process, uh-huh. and then uh, ConPro and Ho- Hoshin Kanri.
1: Yes,
0: kind of. There there was a, some inefficiencies in decision making, were, were or some you know something was happening that required change within Toyota, and you were. At, at that time before new me you were very involved in that can you speak to those years a little bit
1: actually yes that was uh, a uh, it's very interesting to see that Toyota the, you know of course people working so hard and we've been so successful however it won't last forever so sometimes it's very interesting every maybe 15 every 20 years um it, the the, uh, the board we call it the bolt get loose. When you tighten the belt, you believe that it's gonna be it's gonna be you know stiff for the rest of the life. But actually, something happens. so It's getting loose. The belt getting loose. So every 20 minutes, no, 20 years, that the, the belt for some reason getting loose. So you have to tighten it again. So uh, our top management always you know think about about how we they run the company entire company. So they. Uh, look, they look at it in in the sixties. We Toyota just learned so many things from Dr. Deming and from the United States, also management system, and every, all the, the the manufacturers in, in Japan uh, learned so many things, and we just use it to to make our uh, uh, our companies are so healthy. So it was it happened in the sixties. Then twenty years later, around the late seventies, top management found out. Looks like we are too much adjusted uh, accustomed to the happy a uh, nice, very good you know uh, performance, but we have to tighten our belt or tighten the uh, we have to again tighten the board it means it's getting looser, getting loose. so that is that comes from the top management because top management is not the people working in the shop floor. They are not the people selling the car on the field, but they feel it because they are smart people. So they sense that okay, we should do something because before it's too late. So uh, that is one of the good aspects of Toyota. And so uh, in in the later uh, uh, 70s, top management felt like okay, looks like the middle management or higher management it's uh, they are enjoying uh, so you know successful business uh, in japan in overseas countries however um their reactions or their you know analysis is it's not so good compared with that of the so many years ago so maybe we have to do something that is really the starting point of the cam and uh, which which happens in the 79 80s it comes from the top management so oh that tells me a lesson that oh Top management is always very much concerned about the, the worst situation, not on the happiest situation, the worst situation and prepare. So that is the attitude of top management. And so that's how, it, uh, so they, they discuss about the top management, then they assign uh, Mr. Nemoto, and, uh, some, and they tell the top management they assigned Mr. Nemoto, okay, you have to develop some program to, to for the uh, higher manager, senior manager to learn relearn something again which we have le- we learned in 60s so that's how the compro started and uh, i just happened to be over there so it was great experience for me to get to know that how serious all those 40 years 50 years old managers start learning the basics again just like uh, just like high school kids because mm-hmm. they are serious about it because you know they because they saw that top management is so serious about it how come with with me not so serious? So uh, they they saw all those uh, um, higher management so serious about it. So all those 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 uh, uh, things come from top, you know, seriousness comes from top down to lower people. So that is the beauty of Toyota's culture.
2: Hmm. Jeremy, what I think is. One of the things that st- has stood out to me in talking with Mr. Yoshino over the years is this concept of, as he says, about retightening the belt and how intentional Toyota has been in developing its culture um, and having it so people-centered, focused on learning. And, you know, there, as Mr. Yoshino said, there was, you know, the focus on quality in the 60s and then almost 20 years later, uh, you know, 15 years later, retightening the belt with the Con Pro program. And then again, with the publication of the Toyota Way in 2001, that again was an opportunity to retighten the belt. And now even uh, Toyota has admitted that there it's time for them to you know retighten the belt. You see uh, the president of Toyota, Mr. Toyota, talking about its culture and how they're refocusing on ensuring that everyone across the company really understands what it means to live and breathe the Toyota Way. And I find that really um, interesting So often we take for granted, or I don't know, we think that culture just sort of happens, but there's real intentionality around it and focus from the top, all the way from the top, and how that connects all the way to to the people doing the value creation work.
0: Hmm. You know, it's it's fascinating that you bring that up, Katie, because it's something that we're directly involved in. So, you know, we work with these, with a, a lot of auto manufacturers and in the, Toyota shops, it's it's we see that like actually up close and personal ourselves, but it's also something when I talked with Paul Akers, they so Toyota there are elements within Toyota using his approach, you know the, the two second lean, which is sort of like a rethink on Kaizen, and it kind of getting back to the roots basically, you know simplifying it and and removing some of the process so you can just make a very simple change, you know a two second improvement. He, he was talking about that, that that's actually part of that, that re of the belt. So it is fascinating the way you describe it, Mr. Yoshino, that it's uh it is this, this 20 year cycle and that the learning never stops is, is what I hear.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But It's, a, it's a maybe a coincidence, but when I look back in the sixties and eighties, now 2000, because Dr. Deming, we learned Dr. Deming in the sixties, eighties we learned by ourselves and for Compro. Then 2001, third away, and Mr. Mr. Cho just you know started to uh, uh, reinforce that uh, uh, that kind of uh, way of thinking. So it's it's nothing new, but he wants to double check. He wants to tighten our belt again, and so now uh, we're twenty uh, twenty twenty one. So we have to tighten our belt again. Maybe this year, I don't know. But it's so. It's very, very interesting. To, we always look back what we have done, what we have not done in the past. So many people forget about the past. That we have to look forward, but we have to look both ways. Because when we want to step forward, then we have to learn. We must have learned something from the from the past. So we have to look back and look back what we have learned, we have failed to learn. So it's it's a I think it's a very, very interesting culture that Toyota created, and I'm very, very lucky that, and also I'm very proud of joining Toyota 1966, because that culture stayed there, over there, when I joined Toyota. I did not notice that this is a culture, but I, I feel very, very comfortable, even now.
0: There's one thing I'm curious about. I don't recall if if this was in your discussions that showed up in the book. But one of the obviously one of the most important uh, characters in the development of the Toyota Way is Taiichi Ono. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, did, what was your impression of of Mr. Ono during your time at Toyota? Did you did you meet him? Did you see him?
1: Well, actually, I, I had never had a chance to just speak with him in person, but I just I just ran into him on the shop floor very very often. And uh, because he is, we call it go to Gemba concept. So he always go there, and even just top management, like he passed away, and a long time ago. But he he is a president. But whenever whenever I saw him, it's always on the shop floor, not in the office. Because I was in the same building. I joined Toyota '66. My my office is on the third floor, and top management floor on the second floor. I don't see him. I did not see him on that building, but I saw him on shop floor because I go for some reason. I went to the other department just across that plant, and the truck plant, and then get into that office. So I I met I saw him very often on the shop floor. He was walking on the shop floor, so uh, because because you know you have to know top management always you know needs to know what's going on even on the shop floor in the other offices. So going go to gamba concept is is just penetrated across the company. It's from top management to the bottom. So it's very very interesting. We feel that we feel very close to a top management and their attitude always care about about the, the employees because it's the people who make cars, not top management people. Management people are decision maker. So they decision make have their own role to play. The workers have their own own uh, role to play, and even the, the newcomer like me, then I have my own uh, own things to cover. So everybody has their own responsibility to cover, and and so uh, that is you know all, all those we are we are looking towards the same direction as, as another, just like in the Hoshi candy items. So uh, that is uh, that is one of the biggest power of Toyota. Always, you know, top management always try to try to to encourage us to go to the right direction, showing them by their own attitude, not just telling us to do, but showing by their own attitude and their, you know, their day to day, uh, their their comments and their actions. So that makes it a, a little bit different from other companies.
2: Jeremy, one of the, you know, Mr. Yoshino and I talked a little bit about, you know, the difference of Taichi Ono's uh, his management style and obviously it's his importance in, in Toyota and how that then contrasts with Mr. Nomoto, who Mr. Mm-hmm. Yoshino spent a lot more time with and how they were sort of complementary uh, as what Mr. Yoshino says, big pillars of TPS and then the more people-centered Toyota way Methodology or the uh, concepts as well, mm-hmm. and
0: how the, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes. I remember that. That's just, you described that in the book.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah uh, Well, actually, you know, the, of course, taiji Ono is so popular because of the father to implement to 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 invent the third production system. It is true, but at the same time, not same time. But Mr. nemoto is not so much well known in the lean community. A little bit, but not as much as Mr. Ono, but in my personal opinion, Mr. Nemoto is another second pillar. He's a second pillar in the management because Mr. Taichi Ono is focusing on how to remove waste in the shop floor, how to make it more efficient in, in work, workers or actually in those uh, manufacturing side. At the same time, Mr. Nemoto is focusing on the management side, which is the beauty of Toyota because Chi Ono is focusing on the manufacturing, not necessarily only manufacturing, how to make the, the product more efficiently and and, uh, and, and uh, without any big waste. And uh, so it mostly focuses on, on the workers. But at the same time, Mr. Nemoto is focusing the managing, manager's level, or the office workers, for example, or manager's level. So that is why I call the two pillars. Nemoto San just a uh, some, some books about it's, it still is very big seller in Japan because that is one of the things that which we really need to learn from him. And we call it Nemoto Credo. And um, I'm very, I was, I'm, I, I was so lucky because I was uh, I was involved in that uh, in the Compro project, which started by Mr. Nemoto. And also, um, uh, my direct boss is Mr. Sugiura, he's one of the finest guy I ever worked for in my life. And actually, I just sent an email yesterday that he's 85. And Mr. Nemoto and Mr. Sugura is is those people very, very influential to all the office people within Toyota. And the people did not pay much attention to that. But I do hope that uh, uh, the, the lean um, uh, people will pay more attention to to the role that Mr. Nemoto and Mr. Sugura uh, uh, did to in in that segment that is a uh, two power, yeah that a two pillar, and uh, so uh, that is uh, one of the reasons why I focus on Mr. Nemoto's attitude, Nemoto's comment, and uh, so I'm now working on that uh, in detail. So I'm very happy to be uh, to be uh, in the group where I was so close to Mr. Nemoto. That uh, so up uh, it's a uh, it's one of the one of the traditions of toyota if you learn something important then you want to carry it to from one generation to the next generation that is part of toyota culture
0: it's so fascinating i mean it, it takes me back to where we started the conversation when you talking about you know the general motors employees and the general motors managers coming you know in the preparations for numi a, a very simple way to look at it would be that the, those two, those two pillars exist, but the greater need for improvement was with the managers, not the, not the workers. Right. And, and that would be, you know, it's it is, it's something that maybe it's, maybe it's just easier to tell the story that relates to the actual machinery and the, and the operations Mm -hmm. and the manufacturing. But absolutely. We see that. I mean, right now, the big movement that's going on is industrial transformation, you know, technology, Oh. internet of things there's all all this technology is coming into the factories mm-hmm. and a lot of people I th- I think falsely believe that the technology is going to solve all the problems by itself and I know at least I think I know that it's not and it's because of the you know the management needs to commit to it and the culture of the company needs to be to needs to embrace a desire for change so I I definitely hear um that, that description of Mr. Nomoto's role is, sounds very, very impactful. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, that, can I come back? So I, I said some time ago, and I probably, we should, I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, We're, we should probably wrap up soon, but the, the other pillar of Toyota, continuous improvement. And I think Katie, what, what I drew from the way you, you kind of um, deepened it is uh, wisdom in continuous improvement, kind of not just Mm-hmm. Making the small changes, but also gaining knowledge and building wisdom.
2: Yes, chie to kaizen, so wisdom and kaizen together. And Mr. Yoshino explained to me um, some of his thinking around why, when the Toyota Way 2001 was translated by Toyota from Japanese to English, perhaps um, you know they just translated as continuous improvement and left out the wisdom part, uh, but that nuance seems to be really important to us in the English language. And, and maybe we've just focused too much on the continuous improvement kaizen. Mr. Yoshino, what do you, what do you reflect? Uh,
1: c- continuous improvement, because of co- we put, in, it's very interesting, the American people put continuous. on Kaizen only, we, we call it improvement. But American people put continuous improvement because when you put something, some kaizen on something, then it's not a one time you know, one time action, but if you improve it something to to the higher stage to, to, to make it better, make it work better, then still you have to work on that to make it a little bit farther. So that means continuous. And that is what we we believe is so important because it's never it's you know, improvement is a never-ending project. So we have to improve and we keep doing that and uh, and uh, through all those endeavor to make it a little bit better, to make it faster, make it more efficient, then we can develop our skill, develop our mindset. So it's why the, so continuous improvement is not only for the workers, but it's also important for us office workers too, office people too. So uh, all those those key concepts uh, developed by Mr. Ono developed by Mr. Nemoto is all just can be applied to anybody. Uh, office workers on the top management because it's very simple. The principle is very very simple. So it's that is one of the reasons why Toyota has been has been uh, so successful in binding, uh, co- you know, bringing everybody into one direction. If we believe that is the right direction, because we are on the same page, and also we're even though we have the different rank in in the in seniority or the whatever. But still, we we have something in common. Uh, we feel like we're we have something in common. Overlapping all those uh, uh, b- beliefs is overlapping, uh, uh, you know, across the, across the, the ranks. So that makes us feel so good. And uh, also, they uh, they Toyota just uh, try to treat old timer very much, which is but it's, it is not too uncommon. However, within Toyota, they always keep sending all the, all the, the letters to all the old timers, retired people even now. Just, they sent me an, a request about the other day, uh, about two, three weeks ago, that Mr. Yoshino, why don't you write some small article about, about your, your current life? And uh, and then I just sent it, and yesterday I, I, they sent me the final version and uh, for me to improve. So that what what I'm talking about is that they are t- treated people nice work people working in so for working in office. Also, they are taking care of the people who retired 20 years, not 20 years, yeah, almost 20 years earlier. They still keep sending all the all the newsletter to us and ask me to write something, to encourage all the old timers because I'm still working. And so uh, that, is, that is not bad, not bad at all, yeah. uh, and, uh, because uh, uh, that makes me feel like I'm still part of Toyota. And uh, so that is one of the good things about Toyota, which is not so open to outside, but that makes me feel so good.
0: Yeah, it's very special. It's very special, you know. I mean, I would also tell you we were speaking be- just before we got the interview started. My experience working for Toyota as a provider is actually rather similar to that. You know, we we get treated very well. Oh, did really? we, we have access? We have badges. We can we can go to the factories um, unescorted. There's a there's a there's actually a strong level of trust that's imparted to us as a as a worker within Toyota that I, I can. It's not. I'm sure it's not the same as being an actual member of the Toyota family, but it is um, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely there's something very special mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it. I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, uh, I think that we need to begin to wrap up. Um, I did want to mention just one little short thing, Mr. Yoshido, that, uh, that uh, Katie had passed on that you, during your time and your interest in America, you learned to play the banjo. Is
1: that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I did a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Me too. I, I just I, I play the banjo also. I just think it's interesting. It's kind of a quintessential American instrument. Maybe uh-huh. one day I hope to find myself in Japan. <laughs> Maybe we can meet up and we could <laughs> play some music together or something.
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's uh, why because it's come from a countryside. I'm a country boy, and uh, oh, all, yeah. the, all those things have no electricity, so it's not electric guitar, but it's all no power. But you can, you can play it, you know, while there is no electricity and very, very down to earth uh, uh, music. So I like it so much. Mm. And, uh, so I, was, uh, I like American culture too, but particularly countryside because people are the same. Even though we speak different language, different culture, still, you know, you know the bottom thing is that the same because uh, we are people and uh, we want to be treated nice. We want to treat people nice. Same thing. So... Uh, that's uh, that's that's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why I like uh, a, music rather a, c- a country music, but Burgers music is very, very, very specific uh, segment, but I still like it so much.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's the kind of music I like also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Well, Katie, I wanted to, as we wrap up, I wanted to just ask if you have any thoughts to share, especially since the, the two of you spent so much time together and also just remind people, you know, the Learning to lead, leading to learn, is a is a you know a bestseller on Amazon, and also just le- just anything you'd like to share for the listeners.
2: Oh, uh, sure. Well, it's you know I, I was reflecting for myself how even though Mr. Yoshino and I at this point have had thousands of hours of conversation, I still um, get inspired listening to his stories and and the wisdom and that comes that comes from them as well. And I would say, you know. One of the greatest joys in my life has been able to partner with Mr. Yoshino to bring those stories together in learning to lead, leading to learn and and weaving it together in that tapestry of both the person pursuing like a personal goal and purpose and then intersecting that with the things we discover in life about um, leading and interacting and helping other people as well. and in our times now, uh, we need a lot of inspirational stories. And so I really encourage people to take advantage of um, the inspiration of the pages uh, of Learning to Lead, Leading to Learn, and and to dive into some of that history that we didn't even talk about, or we just scratched the surface on here today. There's so much richness of inside inside stories as well. So uh, thank you again for having us both on the show this time, Jeremy. And um, as always, people can reach out and connect with Uh, us both and all the information in my book or at kbjanderson.com
0: wonderful yeah my my pleasure truly this has been just a wonderful conversation and i would ask you mr yoshino anything that you would like to share in closing
1: Uh, uh, not really but i forgot to mention that you know katie came in 2015 and she wanted to write a book not she didn't study like that but you know I learned so many things out of joint work with together with Katie, and uh, because I learned so many things because she just opened the door for me to talk about my own failure story. Because otherwise, if I did not mi- I did not meet, you know, Katie somewhere in the Long Beach, and then we start talking about it, then this could not have happened. So uh, it was, you know. Th- who you run into in your life is so important that will trigger mm. that will open the door to the new world that uh, that happened to me at the mm. age of 70s i can't mm. believe it so uh, i keep learning so many something new and also uh, uh, because i just talk about all those my failure story which is the first time for me to open it up because that makes me feel so good because i i i wanted to hide it from anybody but I don't want to hide it. I don't need to hide it because it's just a fact. And I, as long as I, I can learn. Actually, I learn so many things. And so, uh, I, I really appreciate the, the, the way Katie treats me as a friend, as a partner, whatever. So, uh, I'm I really appreciate the how it's so important who you run into, uh, run into in your life and then change your life. That is mm-hmm. that happened to me. So I really appreciate you you to me and and the uh, and the and really appreciate i you don't know how how much I appreciate uh, to have this chance like this so thank mm-hmm. you very for asking me to join this session
2: Thank you Mr. Yoshino. I feel the same way
0: yeah and thank you so much for the for just sharing the stories and i think as you said before when we were talking the uh sharing the stories rather than taking them to your tombstone or the the japanese phrase how how did you phrase it <laughs> the sharing them is really it's just a treat i i I just really commend you both to just telling a great story and and creating a wonderful book and also all this ongoing discussion is just i feel just extremely fortunate to be able to participate in it and i thank you both for the conversation this has been another episode of the industrial transformation podcast
2: thank you very much thank you jeremy
0: Thanks for listening to the Industrial Transformation Podcast, a production of Business Builders Media. Learn more about how KCF can help you on your industrial transformation journey at kcftech.com. And check out more shows on businessbuildersmedia.com.